Um, I have to regroup now. I've been dancing all around the building and connecting with church people. <laughs> huh? Um, <laughs> oh, I just need to get a little settled. Okay. Okay, so welcome to the Circle for Presence. <laughs> um, I'm not present yet, but I will be shortly. <laughs> um, and I wanted to open tonight with the Buddhist prayer for forgiveness, because tonight's topic, um, how complaining creates our reality and the damage that it causes our bodies, is you know, it, it's a lot of it can fall right into the area of forgiveness and resentments and grievances and all that stuff. So this this just felt really um, right for tonight. <coughs> if I have harmed anyone in any way, either knowingly or unknowingly, through my own confusions, I ask their forgiveness. If anyone has harmed me in any way, either knowingly or unknowingly, through their own confusion, I forgive them. And if there is a situation I am not yet ready to forgive, I, give my, I forgive myself for that. For all the ways that I harm myself, negate, doubt, belittle myself, judge or be unkind to myself through my own confusions, I forgive myself. And I'd like you to kind of take that, that thought or that feeling, that sense of forgiving self as well as forgiving others into your meditation tonight. Um, obviously, if you're wanting to go for just the silent, silent meditation where you're just going for no thought at all, that's fine. Feel free to do that. Um, that's usually what we do. But it just seemed right tonight to focus on doing that letting go and that forgiveness piece. So just sitting with that, because um, we're going to start with our 15-minute silent meditation, and I'm going to open with the bowl. For those of you that struggle with silent meditation um, and how to get the mind quiet, what you're wanting to do is to get focused and so present that there is no thought. And the ego is what is constantly distracting us and talking at us about stuff that we regret, stuff that we feel bad about, we have guilt or shame about, or worry, anxiety, panic, all those kinds of feelings. That's all the ego's way of keeping us in the future. And it wants to stay in the future or in the past because then it gets to exist. Its only mission is to exist and it cannot exist in present moment. So if you're wondering how to get rid of the ego, you can't. And you don't even want to try. All you want to do is get yourself focused into this moment, present moment. Ego doesn't exist there. And that's when all those voices pop up in your head. 
with blah, 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 and this and that, and oh, I'm overwhelmed, or oh, I'm better than this person, or I'm less than that person, and the judgments, and the regret, and guilt, and shame of the past, and all that stuff. That's all territory of the ego. And you can clearly, if you, if you want, just go, you know what? I don't even have to work on letting that go. All I have to do is get into the present moment, and it doesn't exist. But therein lies the discipline, and therein lies the challenge. Because basically, well, I'll speak for myself, I'm pretty flippin' lazy. <laughs> so it can be really difficult for me to put, rein myself back in. And for, and for another reason, all of that way of thinking that we have is addiction because we've laid down a neuron track in the brain. There are certain neurotransmitters that dump into that neuron track, and that's what we become addicted to. Okay? Any process, including a compulsive thinking, can become an addiction. Okay? So, that's part of what you're up against, because you're real comfortable there. And you'll see as we get into it, when I get into the teaching tonight on the complaining part, how we are complaining most of the time, even between our ears, even about little things. And we don't even realize it. And it's part of that addictive process. So it's really, really helpful to, one, just begin to get awareness of that. And forgive yourself for that. Don't get angry with yourself. Don't try to resist it. As soon as you resist it, it's going to come back full force. Just notice it. Pull yourself back in the present moment. I'm a woman sitting on a table. And then I get into my body and I feel, what does it feel like for my butt sit on this hard surface? What do I feel like holding my back straight with nothing to lean against? Just feeling my body. Being in it. Feel the energy field inside your body. And we can get more into that later. So, ride your breath. Focus on your breathing, breathing in and out. Let the words inhale and exhale be a mantra, if that helps. Use sound. Um, some people can do an open eye meditation in the beginning. That can be difficult because our mind wants to label everything. The ego wants to label everything that way. It keeps it out of the present moment. So close your eyes and listen to sound. And listen as the more you listen, you hear layers of sound. And just go with it. Don't label. If we've got a bunch of people out here talking, carrying on, notice if you get irritated, notice the irritation. Be aware of it. And just sort of step to the side of it and observe it. As soon as you do that, you're present. And it'll dissolve. Okay. Another way to do it is pretend you're a cat waiting for a mouse to come out of the mouse hole. Only you're not a mouse. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're gonna you're gonna be sort of perched on the edge of your mind, waiting for the next thought to come up. And if you're right there doing it the way you've seen a cat wait for its prey to come out, no thought comes up. Because while you're that focused, you're fully present. Okay? So, okay. 
So I'm going to start us with the bowl, and then when 15 minutes are up, you'll, you'll hear the bowl again. You're welcome to go sit on the floor somewhere if you want, if that's more comfortable for you. Make yourself comfortable for this, so feel free to do what you need to do. <coughs> I'd rather have you come in during meditation than decide you can't get here because you're going to be late. <laughs> come late. <laughs> it's always perfect. Okay. All right. Well, <clears throat> um, tonight's topic, how complaining creates our reality and damages our body, I'm going to start with reading something out of Eckhart Tolle's book, A New Earth, for any of you that are familiar with this. Um, complaining is one of the ego's favorite strategies for strengthening itself. So one of the first things that when I'm working with individuals and I'm doing mentoring and teaching on an, an individual basis, one of the first things I'm recommending is to become aware of as soon as you're complaining about something, that's the ego. That's your, that's your cue to have awareness. And as soon as you can have the awareness, oh, the ego's complaining, you've just separated yourself and you're creating that space for presence. So as soon as you do that, you've already shifted energy. And the more you move into just being completely present and out of that complaint, what you've done is transmute that energy into pure consciousness. <coughs> every complaint I love, I love the way he writes every complaint is a little story the mind makes up that you completely believe in whether you complain aloud or only in thought makes no difference some egos that perhaps don't have much else to identify with easily survive on complaining alone when you're in the grip of such an ego complaining especially about other people is habitual and, of course, unconscious, which means you don't know what you're even doing. And as soon as you get the awareness of it, you may realize, oh my God, I have been running this through my head for the last hour. And yeah, because when we're unconscious, that's constant. It's going on constantly. Um, Applying negative mental labels to people, either to their face or more commonly when you speak about them to others, or even just think about them, is often part of this pattern. Name-calling is the crudest form of such labeling and of the ego's need to be right and triumph over others. Jerk, bastard, bitch, all definitive pronouncements that you can't argue with. On the next level down on that scale of unconsciousness, you have shouting and screaming, and not much below that is physical violence. Resentment is the emotion that goes 
with complaining and the mental labeling of people and adds even more energy to the ego. Resentment means to feel bitter, indignant, indignant, aggrieved, or offended. You resent other people's greed, their dishonesty, their lack of integrity, what they're doing, what they did in the past, what they said, what they failed to do, what they should or shouldn't have done. The ego loves it. Instead of overlooking unconsciousness in others, you make it into their identity. And who is doing that? The unconsciousness in you, the ego. So when we take a look at complaining and how it creates our reality, now I'm going to shift a little bit here. How many in here are familiar with the whole attraction, the law of attraction? Have you heard of it or seen The Secret or seen some movie or read Abraham stuff? And the, and the thing is, all of that stuff is right on, 100%. It's just that, for example, with the movie, it made it appear like it was really easy. All you had to do was think about something and you would create it, right? And how many of you have tried to think a whole lot of money into your reality? And in fact, that hasn't taken place. <laughs> okay? So, the, the, the trick, if you want to call it a trick to it, really isn't a trick. What it is, is shifting your consciousness so much so that you operate from a place of what you're thinking about, whatever your emotional energy is behind, you can think about, oh, I'd love to win the lottery. So think about that for a second. Is there any emotional energy behind it? Think about the person that cut you off in traffic today. How much emotional energy was behind that? Yeah. And that's the difference. We think about stuff like money or getting enough for this or that or the other thing. And since we have a mindset that believes we have to figure out the how, we have to figure out and sort out and make that happen, and we can't see a way to do that, so then there's a part of us that just automatically assumes that's not going to happen. There's no reality in that. So it's really hard for us to emotionally get behind that, to get excited about it, to see yourself going to the bank with, say, a $5,000 check to cash and deposit, to see yourself sitting down. I mean, and trust me, I'm focused on the dollars right now because that's where I'm needing to focus my attention <laughs> because right now um, donations are more than gratefully accepted. <laughs> Because I have not been focusing in this arena. I've been focusing in so many other places that my attention and my emotional energy has not been in finances at all. You know, so, you know, we can blame the economy. I know better. I know it doesn't have anything to do with the economy because this thing with the economy happened in, I think, 08, right? Right? And this is four years later. And it's only been the last few months that I've had any kind of financial struggle. People prosper in the worst of times, and they struggle in the best of times. So it doesn't have anything to do with that. You can buy in to that if you want to. 
So listen to the news. They'll pump you full of all kinds of stuff, and it'll come from all those, per those experts, and you'll buy into it, and you become a part of creating that morphic field. So you, cre you help create the energy around that. And now that since you're a part of it, and you have emotional energy behind it, what are you going to bring into your reality? Financial lack. Okay? So, and, and, and it's not just about dollars. It's about anything. It's about having a healthy, loving, nurturing relationship with somebody. It's about having better, healthy, wonderful relationships with your children, with your parents, with your neighbors, with your coworkers. It's about, you know, where you live. If you don't like living where you live, don't focus. The more you focus on how you hate living there, think about all the energy, and that's a form of complaint. You're putting a lot of energy around that, and what's happening is that that energy goes out, and it comes back, and it continually recreates what you already have. And you wonder why two, three, four, five, ten years down the road, you're still in the same spot. Only now, with that length of time behind it, emotionally, you're even more powerful behind those thoughts. I wanted to move from here for the last seven years, and I'm still here. And it sucks. So all the negativity that you are running in your mind, the judgments that you have, the... Now, that was a big one for me. It always, I always felt overwhelmed, and I was always... <sighs> and that's a form of complaint. Because if I focus my energy on what is happening right here, right now, and decide, because it's a decision, it's a choice, all you have to do is make a decision to... Focus on what's positive. What's positive about what's going on? Well, do I need money right now? And most people that I ask that question to will say, well, yeah, you should see my bills that are due, and I don't have enough in my checking account. That wasn't my question. My question was, do you need more money now? This moment. And right now, this moment, I have my butt sitting on a table teaching stuff that I absolutely love and that I've been studying and teaching for years. What else do I need? I'm not hungry. I had a bite to eat before I came. I have clothes on my body. They fit. I don't need anything right now. So I don't have to be in this state of neediness or wanting. If I'm in a state of needing or wanting, I'm going to create more needing and wanting. And if you think about it, complaining is always about needing or wanting somebody, some situation, something to be different than what it is. Right? I don't, I don't like the way he's behaving. I don't like what she said to me. I don't like the look on her face. 
You know, what's wrong with them? Why can't they dress normal? Isn't that all just complaining because I think that shouldn't be that way? And if you think about it, that's about needing and wanting. I want it to be different. Or somehow, I need it to be different. And we don't even question that. I need that to be different. I need those people to behave differently. Or I need these people to act differently. Whatever. Is that true? What really changes in my world if they do and be and act the way I think they should? Nothing, really. My butt would still be sitting on this table right now. <laughs> That's it. There wouldn't be anything else. And then I do the next thing, and then I do the next thing. So focus right now, just for a second. Focus right now. First of all, I want you to tell yourself, I'm just a woman, I'm just a man sitting in a chair. You feel that chair under your butt. Feel it against your back. Get into your body. Feel the energy inside your body. Now, let's use money. Because I know across the board that's an issue. That's everybody. Uh, yeah. So, I want you to picture a $5,000 check. Your name's been written on it. Didn't come from work. Don't even don't even come up with the how or where or who, because that's the other place we get into trouble. We always think we have to figure out. That's the ego. How something is going to take place, and we're limited. I know I'm limited. When I get out of the way, it's amazing what happens in my life. Okay. So get out of the way of that. It doesn't matter. You've been handed a check, free gratis, tax-free. We don't even know why. Maybe just because you breathe. How about that? It's got your name on it for $5,000, and it's good. Now I want you to picture yourself and start putting some feeling behind it. How would you feel? How do you think you would feel if you just got given that check and you finally got it through your head that it wasn't because of anything you did or that you have to do, it's just a gift from the universe. Free money. Think you'd be pretty excited, pretty happy, maybe jumping up and down a little bit inside at least, if not on the outside. Now picture yourself going to the bank, signing your name on the back of it, either cashing it or depositing it, your choice, and walking out of there knowing you've got $5,000 more than you had a second ago. Get your emotion behind that. And if you're concerned about bills, one of the things I've been doing is I visualize myself writing out a check for one of my bills that I could pay off. And how good that would feel. 
and I feel it. I don't just visualize it up in my head and have it be a mental exercise. If it's just a mental exercise, if it's just intellectual, then you're not going to attract it to you. What attracts it to you is the energy of your emotion. Think of the word emotion. E, motion. Energy in motion. That's what you have to be if you're going to be a magnet. And it has to be consistent. So part of that is the discipline, again, of getting into present moment and focusing on that. So all of our complaining continues to create our reality. And I didn't even know that... I look back on it now and I go, well, yeah, it was a form of complaining. But what I was doing when the people in my life who are really close to me and care about me um, would ask me, well, how are things going financially, Karen? And I'd be going, fine, fine, everything's great, everything's great. Well, the more they would ask, see, because I don't watch the news, and I don't read the newspaper, so I, I avoid all that blather. But I have these other really well-intentioned, loving people in my life <laughs> who, you know, are concerned and were continuing to ask, and I started thinking, oh, shit. <laughs> that was my first mistake. I started thinking. And I started looking at things and going, oh, God, that may not work out. I may run out. And, well, what am I going to do if I run out? Well, guess what? I thought about that enough and had enough emotional energy behind that that that's exactly what I created. But I also know that, here's a really good example. Um, I'm buying my house, and for those of you that are, are homeowners, you know that you make your house payment on first, and you have a grace period until the 16th. And then after the 16th, as of the 17th, you have a late charge, right? And if you're counting pennies, you don't want the late charge. That just adds a whole lot more to the bill that you're already struggling to put together. And last week was, Thursday was the 16th. And I was getting down to the final hour, and every time the ego wanted to go into fear mode, I would go, nope, right now, this is where I am. I'm a woman washing dishes. I'm a woman fixing a meal. I'm a woman driving her car to go do this. I just stayed in the moment. And I just trusted. I'm supposed to be here. I know that. I feel it. So it'll show up. I don't have to figure out how. And I've had money show up from the strangest things. Um, for one thing, I officiate at weddings. And I don't often do that. People, And I think it's because people don't know that I do that. And I charge for that service. And occasionally I'll have um, friends that will ask me to officiate. But out of the blue, I had a total stranger get a hold of me. And I had two people 
that were brand new clients that called and showed up and needed to get in right away, as soon as possible, please. <laughs> now, I couldn't have scared that up no matter what I did, could I have? There's no way, because one, I didn't know them. I didn't know who they were. They knew who I was. They had to come to me. So I made my house payment, and yes, it was in the 11th hour, but <laughs> there it was. There it was. So what I focused on was getting excited and getting happy about how really wealthy I am. Being wealthy and having abundance doesn't mean you have a million dollars in your bank account. All I have to do is look around at not just the things I have, but the people that I have in my life the opportunities that are constantly presented to me to either earn those dollars or to help someone else. You know, my health. I mean, there's, the list is, is huge. So one of the things I would have you do to begin to focus on moving out of the complaining that is habitual and addictive, and trust me, Probably every single one of you in here has that addiction because we live in a culture that encourages that and supports that through everything, through every medium possible. <coughs> so what I would recommend to you, start a gratitude list. If you're in 12-step programs, you may have already been told to do this. And if you got told to do it, and were like I was when I was first told, and said, eh, I don't need to do that. I know what I'm thankful for. You know, and I had to wait till I was on my knees in pain, <laughs> dying, before I started doing those simple things, right? Okay, so you can choose to wait until things get so painful that you're desperate to do anything, or... You can not even go there and start now. <laughs> that would be my recommendation. But hey, you know, some of you may be just like me. Um, part of that reality creating that we do with our complaining too, besides the wanting and the needing, is that all the master teachers have taught and they teach it two different ways, and to me it's all the same thing. That everybody and everything we experience is either a reflection of us or a projection from us. And either way, to me, it's the same thing. So all those people that I'm mad at, all those people that irritate me, all those people that I think are being so unfair, all those people that are not treating me right, I can always turn around and look at me and see where I'm not treating you right. And be willing to start there. We hear, I don't have power to change other people. And the truth is we don't. I don't have the power to change you. But the paradox to all spiritual concepts is that I do have the power to change you. 
because as soon as I do something different with me and I look at the world and everything and everybody in it differently, everything in the world and everybody in the world changes. So that's how you change others. You change yourself. You change your attitude. You look at how you're not treating yourself well. And it may be different. It may be other people verbally abuse you, but the, and you don't really think that you verbally abuse yourself, and maybe you don't, but maybe what you do do is that you don't eat healthy food. You eat crap, and you know it. Or you know that to really function well on your job and be awake, you need to go to bed by 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. You push it till midnight every night. You know, what I finally had to accept with that stuff was that was a form of self-abuse. And I wasn't willing to stop that, yet I was pointing the finger at all kinds of folks out there that I didn't think were treating me right. But look at the reality that I was creating. One, through that reflection or that projection of what was going on with me, and two, the law of attraction, the more I complained about that, which is also a form of resistance, it persisted. It kept coming back with equal force. And it will always be equal. To whatever degree my anger, my resentment, my bitterness, my grievance, that's resistance. And however strong that is, it's going to continue to come back over and over and over. It's living in the shadow side of the victim archetype. And we all have that archetype. I teach, I teach the archetypes. And one of the things that, that we talk about in that workshop is you have, everybody has 12 archetypes they come into this life with. And we share four of those in common. And that's the victim, the child, the saboteur, and the prostitute. And when I say prostitute, everybody goes, oh, no, I've never done that. Yeah. Selling sex is one small form of prostitution. The shadow side of the prostitute archetype is where you compromise any part of yourself at any time for the illusion of safety and security. Anytime you kiss your boss's ass because you're afraid to get fired because you believe you need that paycheck to pay the bills. That's the shadow side of the prostitute. And yeah, when I first heard that stuff, I went, yeah, but I had a lot of yeah buts. Well, a lot of them. I had a whole friggin' book of them. <laughs> you know, of course I have to pay my bills, and I have, these, I have this kid to raise, and I have this, and I have that, and I gotta do this. You know what the light side of the prostitute archetype is? When we move out of that and we stop compromising any part of ourselves for safety and security, the prostitute archetype in the light side becomes the guardian of faith. Trusting that the universe, your higher power, whatever that is for you, will always provide. And it may not be a penthouse, But somehow, I don't know, 
every time I have let go of all that stuff and just sort of jumped off the deep end and went, okay, I need to just let go of this and quit worrying about it and trust that I'm going to be taken care of. And again, that goes back to that stuff with the money and being that attraction for it. Believing and trusting that will come and getting the emotional energy behind that. As long as I have all the emotional energy behind the fear of losing what I have or not getting what I want, then I'm going to lose what I have and I'm not going to get what I want. So how does that relate to our bodies? Because the second part of this topic for tonight was, and how does, that, how does complaining damage our bodies? Our meat suits really are <laughs> energy systems. So that energy of hating somebody, after a while, is going to have leaked so much energy from a certain part of my body that I'm either going to end up injuring myself through some kind of accident. There are no accidents. It's our pain bodies, our egos, that set that up. Or I end up with some illness, some disease. And that's not, you know, when I, when I teach that, people always say, well, you're blaming the victim of disease. Well, one, I don't believe we're victims of disease and injury. And I'm not blaming anybody. I want to own all the power of who and what I am. Sidestep, if we take a look at how many people have heard that we only use like, what, 5% of our brain? That means there's a lot of power up here. And this body, this meat suit, does not know the difference. It has no clue. It cannot differentiate between real or imagined. So whatever I'm imagining up here, it's real to my body. Example, ever gotten scared to death at night? Thought you heard a sound? And your imagination took off? And you thought something was going on? Did your heart rate go up? Your blood pressure? Your breathing get real shallow? Some adrenaline kicks on board? You were half asleep, but now you are wide awake, like you had three cups of coffee. That whole fight-or-flight-freeze system shut, is all wired up and ready to go. And it's fight-flight-or-freeze, not just fight-or-flight. Okay. And you find out it was the cat who you thought was in, but was still out, once in. Well, you had something completely different going on in your head. Your body responded to what was in your head. And your body will always respond. It is so loyal and so automatic, you can take money to the bank on that. Every single time. So whatever you imagine up here, your body's going to respond with. And that's where we end up with is through all our complaining and, and all the other stuff that we do and, neg and all that negativity, that what happens is the body, after a while, just kind of caves in. It's exhausted. 
That's where all the degenerate, degenerate, well, you know, that word, those diseases <laughs> come from. Heart disease, cancer. The ones that once they kick in, most people end up fighting them off and on, off and on, off and on, off and on, until it eventually takes them out. And part of that is also based on because then we believe totally in the morphic field of the medical community. The guy in the white coat, who's a doctor, has a plaque on his wall, says, I'm an oncologist. And Karen, if you don't keep taking these drugs and do this infusion and blah, 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 you're going to have the cancer back in a year and you'll be dead in two. And I just looked at her and said, okay. That's what you believe. I'm done. That's not what I believe. And that was six years ago. And I'm still cancer-free. And you all have probably heard stories about that. Some of you may have your own stories about that. And that's why. Because you decided to believe something different. And that's where you put your emotional energy. When we put our emotional energy there, when we feel and believe that that is what the truth is, then that's what begins to happen for us. It changes. Complaining pulls us out of present moment. Complaining drains energy from our bodies. And that's where we get, you know, colds, flus. One of the things I've heard said about colds is, and, and I, you know, with my experience with colds, because I tend to get one every so often, and when I do, I think about it, and I, this is what I think about, that getting the cold, when you get a cold, don't you kind of sound like you've been crying? You know, your eyes look red and yucky and you're all plugged up and, you know, and you sound like you've really been sobbing, right? And I've been told by some of my teachers that when you get a cold, it's the body's way of helping you to cry or helping you to kind of shut down the way crying has you shut down because you're not allowing yourself to address something. You're not slowing down enough to look at you. And every time I've gotten a cold or the flu, you know, the upper respiratory type flu, I can go, yeah, I've been going 100 miles an hour. <laughs> and one more time, all focused out here. And the immune system gets drained, and we're more susceptible. How many of you have gone through flu season, been around people sick as hell, and didn't get sick? Me too. I have people come in, because I, I see people one-on-one -on -one for, for doing healing touch and Reiki and matrix energetics on them. They'll come in when they're sick. I don't get sick. I have gone years in rows, in a row, not getting sick. 
And I absolutely believe that's because I was more present, I was really focused on staying out of the complaining, out of the negativity, I was focused in present moment, I was staying in my power. And when we do that, we have really strong immune systems. So we can be around all those bugs, and they don't affect us. Remember how when we were kids, um, you would get told, you know, make sure you have a coat on before you go outside, it's cold. Because if you get cold, you're going to catch pneumonia. And the thing is, you don't catch a cold or catch pneumonia from the cold. What happens is if you get too cold for too long, your immune system gets weakened. And then you're much more susceptible to everything that's out there. That's how that happens. So be willing to take a look. If you have to, make a list. Make a list of all the complaints. That's one of the things I did. That's where I started confronting my ego because I, like I said, I, I could have written, not a book, I could have written volumes <laughs> of the stuff that my ego would come up with to complain and bitch about. That things weren't right here and things weren't right here and if they would just do this and if this were just this way or even things like, oh, when I graduate, then I can finally do this. When I get this job, that's when my life will really take off. And those are complaints. It's keeping you out of right here, right now. So look at all of that. It doesn't complaints doesn't even have to be about other people. Well, you gotta start the list, because you're confronting the ego. You start putting it on paper and what happens is all of a sudden the ego goes, at least my experience was Oh crap, she's writing everything down. I'm busted. You know? And I, I could recognize then that's a complaint, that's a complaint, that's a complaint. In the beginning, it was, it was the obvious ones. But then it got more into things like, well, when this happens, when I graduate and get my doctorate, well, then, then, then things are good. When I make this amount of money, when I buy this house, when I'm in this relationship, when I get things straightened out with my mother, when I get this straightened out with my son, when, 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 when. And we always wait to start living. And to me, when I was making my complaint list, that was a form of a complaint because obviously I wasn't satisfied with what was right here. What's not satisfied? The ego. And the ego always would prefer to be in a state of wanting rather than having. Why? Got an idea? Because it doesn't live in, it doesn't live in present moment space. It lives in our experience. It, yeah, in wanting, it's out here in the future. In having, as soon as you get that, it's right here. It's present. You ever notice how you get something finally that you've waited for? And then after a while, it's like, okay, big deal, and now you want something else? <laughs> now there's another goal you have to reach? Oh, now I've got to lose this weight, and then I'll, do, then I'll do better. And I have to do yoga to the point where I can be as flexible as she is, and then I'll be good. 
right? When we do that, that's a form of complaint because I'm saying to me, something in my life right now is not good enough. So isn't that a form of complaint? That's the ego. Right. That's, and that's another way for the ego to take on identity. I'm not deserving. I'm a doormat. Well, I'm a piece so. of crap. Yeah. Well, but the ego does. Because I would recommend to you to maybe purchase something. Keep it affordable. Keep it real. And then focus on it and focus on some mantras around, I deserve this. And not why. Don't come up with the why. That's one sentence. I deserve this. Period. You want to add anything to it? Because I'm breathing. Because you exist. You're alive. You're here. Okay. <laughs> The ego to me is a separate entity. Eckhart, Eckhart describes it as is it, that it is almost like this separate entity that takes us over. It's, it's, we don't want to stop thinking entirely. Obviously, we need to think. We have left brain and right brain. I need to think when I sit down with my checkbook and I'm figuring out my money so I can write my bills, right? That's what we use thinking for. We use thinking for all kinds of things. But it's like any other tool. We should use it for when we need it and then put it away. And we don't. We start before we... I get. I don't even get both eyes open in the morning. And I hear, oh, good, you're awake. I've been waiting for you. <laughs> you know, that can be a little scary. <laughs> Of course, my world has been known to be pretty scary at times. But, you know, I mean, we start and think about the arguments you've had in the shower with somebody. You re-argued an argument you had five years ago. This time you won. <laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe. Okay? The thing is, that's the thinking as a tool that didn't get put away. It's no different than if I go out to the garage, get a hammer, come back in, pound a nail in the wall to hang a picture. And then normally I go put the hammer away, right? But in the case of thinking, I go around smacking the hell out of everything. Oh, hi, how are you? How are you? <laughs> and I'm breaking shit and, you know, carrying on with my hammer. That's what thinking is. And it gets its own momentum. And it's created this it becomes, the ego then becomes the identity with outside stuff. The ego is like judgmental. It's judgmental. It will, the ego will believe that it's better than and the ego will believe that it's less than. It doesn't it's care what its itself. identity is as long as it has an identity. It has to have an identity. Rather than recognizing that we just, we already are. 
you know? And we live in a culture that is so doing, doing, doing oriented that when I talk to people about, you know, no, why don't we practice just being, just be, just be, what do you do with it? <laughs> we don't do anything with it. But see, we are so frightened of being, and when I say we are so frightened, the ego is so frightened of being right here, right now, in present moment. Why? Because in present moment it doesn't exist. So it's, we identify with, what about the people that identify with clothing labels? They think, what, those are personality enhancers. Really? Okay, I'll spend $500 for a pair of boots because of the label when I can buy the same pair of boots for like 50 but now I'm strutting because I got the $500 ones on because I believe my personality, my being, my identity has been enhanced. So then what happens when I lose them? Myself, my sense of self becomes diminished. Well, that's all the ego because you haven't become diminished at all. Have any of you ever had anything stolen from you, even little, something little? I think that's a common denominator worldwide. When that thing was stolen from you, depending on what it was, chances are you had a really strong emotional reaction to it. And it wasn't even maybe so much because of what it was but because it was yours. It had the term mine attached to it. Right? Think about it this way. You hear about a friend whose car's been stolen. You feel bad for him. There's no emotional energy. You feel bad for him. Then you find out your car's been stolen. <laughs> oh my! That's a different story completely. <laughs> because now the ego feels that it's been diminished. Something's been taken away from it. That's why, you, well, that's why a lot of people that retire don't live very long. Because what happens is their identity, the ego's way of identifying itself, is no longer there. So they feel diminished. It's been taken away. And now they aren't, now they don't know who they are. Instead of just being. Instead of just being. I want to get back to what you were saying earlier about the feeling of being overwhelmed and, and noting that it's like, whereas, you know, I'm, in, I'm feeling overwhelmed. When I'm mm -hmm. sitting here, lady sitting on a chair, you know, feeling it all, but I'm also feeling a weight on my shoulders. I'm feeling a heaviness in my chest, in my heart, and not necessarily over one specific thing, but you know, there's multiple things mm -hmm. going on, and it's not necessarily picking each one apart and labeling each one, but it's just a, a state of feeling overwhelmed, and I'm not trying to label it as negative or positive, it's just kind of sitting with it like you told me to, or mm -hmm. all of us to. Um, <laughs> 
Okay, so me. in this moment, well, because it is all for you, honey. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, each one of you is the center of the universe because you are the center of your reality. So it is all about you. We're all in this room for you. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> so, so what I would invite you to do, Elizabeth, would be to just sit with that, sit with the overwhelm, and go, can I accept in this moment I feel overwhelmed? Can you just accept it? And not intellectually, but really get in there and just accept whatever it is you're feeling. Can I accept that I'm unhappy? Can I accept that I'm frightened? Can I accept that I'm angry? Can I accept in this moment, right now, I feel really overwhelmed? Can I just accept that? Are you able to do that? What are you experiencing with that? Um, well, I did that with the meditation and Okay, good. Were you able to let that come up? Yeah. And stayed with it? For a good solid three minutes. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, yes! That's progress then, right? <laughs> yes! Well, and that's what a lot of this is. It's about, it's like you, you start going to the gym and you know, when I first started going to the gym, it kicked my ass, <laughs> like in 15 minutes, <laughs> okay? I mean, that was the truth. And it took a while, and I had to slowly build it up and build it up so that I could do my cardio, and then I could go do weights, and it wasn't killing me, okay? But didn't that take time and consistency to keep doing it? And did I have setbacks? Yes. Well, this is the same. Consider it like a spiritual muscle, spiritual emotional muscle. Yeah, so, and as soon as you say that, it starts drifting away. Oh, no, because I was like, wait, go back, go back, don't lose it. Well, what you what what you can practice instead is, can I accept that I'm overwhelmed in this moment? I'm and I so sit and be yeah. <laughs> like, that's what it was. I'm like, don't get distracted, just. Just feel it. Just feel it. Yeah. And sit with it. Be with it without judgment. See, we get unhappy, and then we get unhappy that we're unhappy. And that's another layer of unhappiness on our unhappiness. You know? And then we want to mess with that, and we're going to try and fix it. And what I would recommend is, sit down. Can I accept that in this moment, I feel I have some unhappiness in me? And be careful of your words. Because in this culture, we always speak I'm or I am and follow with a feeling. So does that mean I'm anger personified? <laughs> Incarnate? No, you're not anger. You're not fear. You're not anxiety. You're not depression. You're not sadness. You're not unhappiness. You're not overwhelmed. You feel overwhelmed. You feel angry. That's different. And you see how you can separate yourself from it when you say it that way? I feel angry about this. So I'm still owning my feeling and being with it. But I'm not making it who I am. That's what the ego wants to do. 
It becomes the identity of me then. I'm angry. That's ego. Because that's the then now that's who I am. So I feel angry about this. Well, that really separates it because there's all this stuff over here I don't feel angry about. So I'm not an angry person. I feel overwhelmed about some things. Okay, can I accept that right now in this moment I feel overwhelmed? I'm sick with that. Stay with that. And sit with that feeling and let it do what it needs to do. If it needs to come up and come out in tears, and just be with it. Allow that to come. Let it express itself staying out of your head. Because the ego is going to want to jump in and grab that on as an identity. And it's going to come up with all kinds of, oh yeah, you're overwhelmed with this and this and this and this. And oh, your partner is did did and, and, you know, your job and, you know, these people driving, criminy. <laughs> I mean, it will just, it will literally take, I feel this overwhelmed. And within two minutes, I can feel this overwhelmed. So it's about sitting with the feeling but staying out of your head about it. I just got through writing a whole piece around, and some of you have heard me teach on this, around grief. And there are a lot of people out there that have written a lot of books about grief and all the stages of grief. And I used to teach all that in my practice. Because I I believed that. I understood it. I believed it. It made sense, blah, blah, blah until I realized that was all the ego. The ego goes into denial. The ego gets angry because it's lost somebody or something. The ego begins to bargain. The ego is sad and depressed and the ego finally will accept and surrender. When I sit with grief, that's in my heart about a loss of a person. And I stay out of up here about my story of what should be, then I actually do the real grief. And it goes way quicker, way quicker than the grief that we put ourselves through intellectually through the process that the ego does. But that's for another time. Because I'll, yeah. <laughs> I'll keep you here all night. Questions, comments? Did that help, Elizabeth? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what is guilt? I'm bad. Yeah, it's the ego's way of grabbing onto an identification. Well, I'm not a good person. I'm a bad person. See, I did this, this, and this. And it's all about the past. Because it's, it can't be anything that's happening in this moment. In this moment, you're sitting on a chair. That's it. So anything that you have guilt about is all past. And the ego loves the past because then it can exist. And but. How do you separate? How do you separate the ego? I mean, I understand how you separate the past and the future, but taking the ego out of it and not living in the moment as far as 
Yeah, it does, because what will happen is the ego will keep taking it back until until there's been enough times where taking it back doesn't do anything. It doesn't change anything. And what I mean by that is where the thought passes in your mind and it goes right back out. It doesn't sit and chew you up. So the way you... I don't know that it's so much a separation thing as much as it's about awareness. Because as soon as I have awareness, oh, there's the guilt, that's the ego. Hmm. Okay. I notice it. If you resist, it's going to persist. So if you try to push it away, oh, I don't want to think about that, or we have to go to some addiction, whether it's drugs or alcohol or cigarettes or food or, or the Internet. or I mean, we can turn anything into an addiction, any distraction, right? And that's resistance. And as long as I resist, it's going to persist. So instead, I just notice it. And I go, oh, you again. Come on in, have tea. <laughs> and I make, I, make, I make it light. And then I just go, okay, I notice. And I get focused right back on now. And keep bringing myself back to now. Bringing myself back to now. And yes, can I get boring? Yes. Because the ego will tell you it's boring. Well, this is no fun. <laughs> what fun? What? I, I mean, what kind of life is this really? You know? <laughs> the awareness is, I'm, I'm just playing with a lot of this. So, you know, I've had life figured out for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know you have, Kim. <laughs> And I, I found myself the other day in this whole story about this old relationship that I had, that the person's even dead, right? And I was in this whole story, and I was in it a good 10, 15 minutes, and I was feeling some emotion, and I started to have some tears, and, I, and all of a sudden I went, what in the hell are you doing? <laughs> and it was like nine years ago. And I... Yeah. It felt like a separation where I was looking at myself and feeling, going, yes. this doesn't even matter now. It doesn't. And I was able to, it was like I screamed at myself. You need to stop. I didn't invite him for tea. I <laughs> Get the hell out. And that's what I did. And, and, so, and then I had to do that a couple more times, and then finally it calmed down. But it's so bizarre to me that I've had the whole time. And I don't mean control that way, but I mean to be aware. Yeah. In yeah. the awareness is yeah. the power. So in that respect, that would be separation. It separates as soon as you get the awareness. When you have that awareness, it's, it's different. As soon as you have that awareness, what am I doing? It was changed, wasn't it? My depression is less. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like what I'll tell people when I work with people with depression. Do you notice your depression when you're showering? Yeah. When you're eating? Yeah. If I eat. Do you notice your depression when you're driving to work? Oh, yeah. Who's noticing? Who's noticing? There's, There's something else there. 
And that's the I am presence that is the true you. The powerful you. You know, all these um, spontaneous remissions from horrible diseases that have, you know, terminal prognosis. They're not spontaneous remissions. They're instant healings because we have that power. We have that power. I absolutely believe it. I've watched it. I've experienced it. I have worked with people that one guy came to me and he'd been working on a steam engine and he had a crowbar in it trying to do something with it and the damn thing, I don't know what it did because I don't understand steam engines, but it kicked back and this crowbar smacked him in the side of his face. And when he came to me the next day, this whole side of his face, you could not even see that it was human. And they told him, we can't even go in and look at the damage to your mouth, to, your, to anything until that swelling goes down. So he was on meds for, for the inflammation and for pain, and they told him it was going to take about a week or more. And I saw him on a Monday and for an emergency appointment, and they wanted him in Wednesday morning just to check and see how you're doing, let's look at things, let's, you know, because they you know, wanted to keep a close eye on him. And all the swelling was gone, all of it. Every bit of it. And they were able to, to do what they needed to do to start the repair, which wasn't much at that point either. The power of our mind is incredible. The eat when it's present, in present moment, right here, right now. And what we believe and where we put the focus of all our intent and emotional energy. So it's having that awareness. Well, nobody can take our power. We give it away. Okay, well, yeah. Yeah. You know, as far okay, that makes sense. As far as we have our power, and we choose to not own our power, but give it away, and we'd rather give it away than own it and handle it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Well, but that happens out of unconsciousness. So when you say, I choose, you're implying volition that I've actually made a conscious decision. I have to be conscious to make a conscious decision. And most of us are operating out of the unconscious. We're sleepwalking. So we're not making the decisions. The compulsive thinking, which has become its own identity, the ego, is making those decisions. Eckhart talks about, you know, he says, well, does that mean that you don't hold somebody accountable. You don't hold them responsible if they go and hold up a bank and shoot somebody. And he said, no, we live in a culture where, you know, we live in a world where we need to protect ourselves. And so we do need to hold those people re responsible. But the bottom line is, and when I first heard this, I struggled with it. They're not responsible. They're not operating out of any kind of consciousness at all. 
They're operating out of unconsciousness and total confusion. So if we let somebody take our power, are we operating out of unconsciousness or are we consciously giving away? I don't think. That's usually always unconsciousness. Because I don't believe that if you were fully conscious, which means you're fully present, that you would give anybody your power. Yeah. What's kind of the, in the short term, like, that's where we start waking ourselves up, I mean, without becoming obsessive over challenging every thought we have, like, you know, so it doesn't... Get obsessive about challenging every thought. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All okay? Right. All right. Cool. You're better off going there Absolutely. than doing all the obs other obsessive okay. stuff yeah. that we do. I you know, know. <laughs> you know that, you, most of you know I teach Byron Katie's work, right? Mm -hmm. The four questions and the turnarounds powerful, powerful, meditative work. If you have not come to do it, I love that. If you have not come to do that, I can't recommend it enough. Please consider it. Doing the Judge Your Neighbor worksheets, but it's not a lot of people that, that get the book or look at the stuff online and, and they'll go through it intellectually. Let me back up. The ego will go through it unconsciously and go, well, this really can't. Okay, hugely powerful. And I obsessively took I, hundreds of thousands of thoughts through the work writing it. And I mean, I just decided, what the hell? I can either be insane or I can do this. Sure. And this, you know, this might be looked at as insane, but it's less insane than where it's been. So, <laughs> what the heck? Why not, right? So, yeah, go there. Because that will begin to raise the awareness. The more awareness you get, you're going to have that experience of going, what the heck am I doing? That was nine years ago. To where you'll get to the point where you'll say, what am I doing? That was nine minutes ago for crying out loud. <laughs> nine minutes ago is the past. And I love what Katie says, you know? You know what I love about the past? It's over. Yeah, the ego won't let it go because it helps its identity. Get conscious, get aware, get into present moment, and all of a sudden that stuff begins to mean less and less and less. It doesn't have a story anymore. I think, for the most part, the steps really put us in the present moment. The only one that doesn't is the fourth step. And the fourth step really is about cleaning up our stuff. And the original fourth step was really all about just focusing on my behavior. And it wasn't about going into tons of history. And I used to do all that stuff. I mean, I took people through, you know, Pia Melody's work and did, did child abuse histories and debriefings and, you know, all the stuff that, that she taught out of facing codependence and, and out of what she does in Wickenburg, Arizona at the Meadows. And I just, I don't believe in it anymore because it is a long, drawn-out process, and what I have watched with most of the people that have gone through it, now I'm not 
A lot of people were able to, as a result of that, get into present, get into the present. But most people, it just added to their egoic identity. So what happens now, I'm not just a worthless, undeserving human being, but I was abused as a child, and this is how I was abused, and this is how I was neglected, and now I have these abandonment issues. And, you know, my, my response to that anymore, and I know it sounds cold, but I even say it to myself when that stuff will pop up in me. So what? There isn't anybody on this planet that hasn't had something. There is, yeah, there's no normal. Yeah, there is no normal. Yeah, and we're we're past time, so um, I I do want to stay on time, and also because we got kiddos in the room, I'm sure they're about had it with us. Um, okay, Byron Katie, what I was just talking about next Tuesday. Um, if you're interested, if you do Facebook, go on Facebook and go to Heart Wide Open. Um, and if you like that, and you're checking Facebook on any regular basis, what will happen is that you will get the announcements for the Byron Katie and for Circle of Presence and anything else that's going on on a regular basis. The other thing you can do is over there is pen and paper. Leave me your email address and your name, and I'll add you to the list, and you'll get the reminder in the email. So either way that you'd like to do that. Um, my menu of classes is over there. Um, I'm also going to be putting out teleseminars pretty soon. <laughs> I'm really getting technical. <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> um, and I wanted to read this to sort of close us out. Most people do not realize that as they continue to find things to complain about, they disallow their own physical well-being. Many do not realize that before they were complaining about an aching body or a chronic disease, they were complaining about many other things first. It does not matter if the object of your complaint is about someone you're angry with, behavior in others that you believe is wrong, or something wrong with your own physical body. Complaining is complaining, and it disallows improvement. So, <clears throat> and then I always close with the Lord's Prayer, but this is the original Lord's Prayer that was directly translated from Aramaic to present-day English. So it's a lot different than the one we've grown up with. O cosmic birther of all radiance and vibration, Soften the ground of our being and carve out a space within us where your presence can abide. Fill us with your creativity so that we may be empowered to bear the fruit of your mission. Let each of our actions bear fruit in accordance with our desire and endow us with the wisdom to produce and share what each being needs to grow and flourish. Untie the tangled threads of destiny that bind us as we release others from the entanglements of past mistakes. Do not let us be seduced by that which would divert us from our true purpose, but illuminate the opportunities of the present moment. For you are the ground and the fruitful vision, the birth power and fulfillment as all is gathered. Mm -hmm. Paul again. Uh -huh. 
Thank you so much for being here. You allow me to teach what I most need to learn.